lowering rates, excessive discounting, challenging negotiations. Welcome to the Sales Readiness Podcast, a podcast brought to you by the Sales Readiness Group. We're an industry-leading sales training company that helps businesses develop highly effective sales organizations. This podcast is about one question, how to transform your team into big performers. If you want the answer, keep listening. If you want it faster, visit salesreadinessgroup.com slash podcast. Right with that, I think training industry actually did some research in this area. Maybe we can kind of just share that research in terms of the effects of COVID on, on training. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's interesting to see the evolution because, uh, you know, and this was uh, some data that was collected over the past year or so. They've done this survey a couple of times. And, you know, initially before COVID and not surprising that the dominant delivery method was instructor led, right? In, in person, that was over 40% and then followed by uh, virtual instructor led. And I think that was pretty consistent. I mean, we were doing much more of our business uh, in, in person, kind of more traditional workshops. So, you know, looking at those together, that's uh, close to 70% was some mix there. And then, you know, during COVID, and, and I guess it depends on how you want to define that, but I think what we've seen is that shifted very quickly to much more both e-learning and virtual. So now you look at in the middle uh, pie chart there, over 70% is either virtual or e-learning. So at least some remote uh, capability there. And ILT, you know, was cut almost in half during that period. The prediction, and, and we're looking at how things were evolving is ILT was making a comeback. And I think we were seeing that. We certainly started traveling, doing more in-person workshops. Uh, and now, as you mentioned, it, it's evolving and, and literally week by week. So um, certainly some clients are, are very comfortable doing that, doing it safely and you know having a sales kickoff or having an in-person followed. But I think the takeaway point here is we're, I don't think we're going back, right, to where things were before in terms of ILT. And one of the reasons, and we'll get into this, but I think we're finding there are other ways to deliver uh, training very successfully. And in some ways with better participant engagement, better satisfaction scores, better completion rates. And so saving the ILT for those really special events or those in-person interactive kind of kickoff uh, type engagements, but we can do a lot more without flying people around the world, you know, every week. To deliver the training. So I think it'll be really interesting to see how that evolves. I did touch bases with Ken Taylor, and I, I believe they're updating this uh, this data. So it'll be interesting uh, to see as training industry comes out, you know, with this year's update to that report. I, I think that's right. I think that, you know, there was this prediction that we were going to see more in the classroom. As you mentioned, we started actually seeing more instructor-led training, but it, but it migrated back as COVID cases started to, to, to go up. I do, though, agree with you that just given the success of the collaborative learning, we'll get into a little bit more definition about that. I also saw a question come up just in terms of the definition of what is digital training. We'll kind of share with you our view on digital training uh, in just a couple of minutes. I think that there, there is an opportunity today to really train more in the flow of natural work. And I'm going to share with you what that what that means in just a moment. Yeah, that's great. Um, Okay, well, let's uh, let's continue on. You know, we'll talk through kind of where we're headed with the agenda 
Uh, Norman, do you want to kind of highlight, you know, where we're headed here and, and what L&D leaders think is important with the training? Yeah, I think this has changed a lot. It really, I think, just really amplifies what you were just saying. We have a, um, a infographic that actually came out from training industry. I think it was from another one of their partners, Fuse. And if we could just share that infographic for a moment, I think it's on the next slide. Uh, you'll get a sense for, you know, really what's important. And this, in my mind, this slide does a really good job of defining our view of digital, so basically, digital, of course, is anything which would even e-learning could be defined as digital. But our view is it's more than e-learning. E-learning is sometimes very static. You watch videos. People sometimes, if they can, fast forward through the videos, and you really don't see a lot of engagement. Our view is that, and I think it's consistent with what the research from Fuse found, is that participants want to get the information in the natural flow of work. And we've all known for some period of time that space learning works best. But space learning was, you know, and that's why I think blended learning scored so high in our earlier poll is that when you're doing instructor-led training, it's kind of like drinking from a fire hose. Everything's coming out over a couple of day period if you're doing traditional workshop. The idea of basically able to chunk out the content, we do it one module at a time and have it kind of come in the flow of work really makes it easier for it to digest and apply. The second aspect is really one of collaboration. People want to hear not only from the facilitator, they want to hear what their peers think, what their managers think. And then the third element is really leveraging the technology. And there's so many really robust platforms today, sales enablement platforms, collaborative learning platforms that create a much more rich experience in terms of learner engagement, learner application, and even for the managers to coach. So we're seeing that these elements are really important, and this gets into what the elements that really should find their way into a collaborative learning platform. Ray, any additional thoughts yeah. you have? I'd love to get some feedback from our audience as well. Sure. Yeah. And there were a few questions around kind of the use of terms. So digital blend, we hear digital blend. I, I guess the one clarification I'll make is when we think about digital, we're really thinking about creating a or leveraging a platform typically that brings those elements together. So it may be in asynchronous, as you said, in e-learning, but often there's a digital uh, platform that brings that together where maybe they can show their assignments, maybe they can do some peer coaching, maybe they can engage with each other. So we're really leveraging the technology, not the technology first, but leveraging that to create a way of pulling the audience together, which is why there's uh, fuzzy lines because that may include some of the other modalities as well. But I think we're seeing that and then a blend really being, well, which of those components are gonna work best for this program. And we'll get into that a little bit here shortly. Yeah, just what our thought on that. And we have another um, graphic we'll share with you a little bit later in this um, conversation is really about this idea of the training being a journey. In other words, we really think of it as a digital journey. And we'll kind of share with you a graphic of what that looks like, where to raise point, everything is chunked out over time. There's an opportunity for application. And we do, as part of that journey, use VILT as a way to bring cohorts back together and really discuss the application of those skills. So we want to understand from you just as a, you know, what were some of the greatest challenges and just go ahead and use the chat here. But, mm -hmm. you know, as we've all been adapting how we train and how we engage participants, love to hear from you, just some of the greater challenges that you've had. And also if you want to type in also just how you've addressed those challenges, we'd love to get some of your feedback. And we could just do that right in the, in the chat here. Yeah. And, you know, just while we're doing that and waiting for some of the responses, uh, there's a question about hybrid and blend. And I think those are used interchangeably. You know, people, again, have different ways of defining 
Um, but basically, are we leveraging different ways uh, to engage the learner? And again, that may be e-learning plus uh, some virtual sessions or live coaching sessions. There are a lot of different ways and we'll get more into that. So yeah, it'll be interesting to see what our audience has to say about challenges uh, they experienced with training. I know we're all, uh, you know, kind of trying to figure this out. So what are you, what are you seeing here, Norman? Well, I saw one just in terms of evaluating how the instructors are connecting with the participants. If you think about VILT, if it's not super interactive, there's not a lot of engagement, participants basically can go on mute. They could go off and multitask. So this whole idea of measuring how instructors are interacting with participants, I think, is a challenge. I do think collaborative learning, because there's an opportunity to evaluate the work, to comment on the work, to uh, provides for better evaluation of instructor interaction. So that was one of the pillions I picked up on. How about yourself, Ray? Yeah, you know, uh, some great comments. I mean, Tammy mentions um, they thought maybe they didn't need to go online. And now maybe there's a realization we're going to be at this for a while, or there is going to be some blended approach going forward. Um, so she said also done a pinch pinch hit version and now thinking through it more intentionally. And I couldn't agree more. I think we see, saw a lot of clients who tried to simply take their ILT and put it into online sessions. And, you know, a four hour virtual walk, watching a talking head is not very engaging. So I really think we need to rethink the instructional design, the interaction and the spaced learning. Uh, and so I think that's definitely a challenge. You know, one of the other ones, um, about uh, ROI, showing the ROI when companies are trying to maneuver through the COVID challenges. And I think, you know, uh, that's Tina mentioned that. And I think it is difficult, you know, right now, maybe a little more reactionary mode. But one of the things we'll look to is, you know, kind of starting at the base of the Kirkpatrick model, but did they like it? Were they engaged? And are they applying it? And I think as we talk about with some of the technologies, we can see that through the course of the event. And then we'll see if we're getting the business results longer term. What else yeah. are you seeing here, Norman? Another interesting comment was really about the cadence. So, I mean, if we think about training as being more of a journey than a than an event, maybe, you know, instructor-led followed by some virtual instructor-led, what is the proper cadence? I'm just thinking about a conversation you and I were in yesterday about sales coaching. What is the proper cadence in terms of spacing out the learning, allowing enough time for skill application? Because the training is not going to stick. There's not an opportunity for skill application and ongoing coaching. So making sure that we know that, that the cadence is a challenge. And I think the cadence, even of traditional virtual instructor-led training, uh, has to be really well thought through. As you mentioned, you can't just take your instructor-led classroom materials and port them over to a virtual classroom. You have to redesign and really think about, well, what's the scope and sequence? And what, what kind of assignments are we going to have between sessions uh, in a virtual platform, it's a little bit easier because the assignments are actually built into the platform and you can actually go in and monitor and see the work. Yeah, and what a sharp audience. We don't have time to cover all of the comments, but there's definitely a theme about engagement. And you know, I think we've all felt that. How do you keep them engaged? How do you make those virtual sessions you know, exciting and interesting? And I'll, sh I'll share a story because we just had this conversation uh, earlier this week with one of our clients and I'll talk about, you know, transitioning to VILT, what's the design of those sessions? We like to leverage breakout rooms with very specific activities and discussions and even a, a rubric that they're using, you know, to give each other feedback. 
And our clients said that was so profound to them. They enjoyed that so much, just coming together and being able to talk about their real accounts and challenges. They're doing that on their own now, and they're having these monthly uh, peer coaching sessions, and they brought the group together. So I think that's an example of maybe a silver lining where that collaboration wasn't happening, and now it is, and it also makes the uh, training sessions much more enjoyable. Yeah, Ray, I think that's spot on. I think it is the collaboration that leads to the engagement. When people are collaborating and working together, uh, you could also have a little bit of gamification involved. And I think you're going to speak about that in just a minute. But it's the, really the collaboration. When people are involved, they're commenting on each other's work. They're working together to solve challenges. And I, I you know, I've seen that as as you mentioned, you know, just with our clients, that the team comes together and you know, in these discussion threads that are part of the platform. They're posing some really significant issues, much like our participants are today in the in the um, in the session we're having. And the idea of getting feedback from others, well, how do I sell to a CFO? You know, how do I demonstrate ROI? Getting feedback from other people on the team and engaging is really what learns to, leads to that skill application and involvement. Yeah, no, great input, and uh, again, really sharp audience today. So I always love hearing, you know, and what what we're all struggling with and how we're addressing it. So. Let's continue forward here, Norman. Um, you know, we want to talk about how do we create that engaging experience then? That was a common theme. We we heard that loud and clear, I think, from the participants and, you know, what some of the things we're seeing that can really help with that. So, you know, one of the things we did was we took a step back and said, well, we know e-learning can be very effective, very successful in some modalities for some purposes. We have the traditional either instructor-led or virtual instructor-led. Uh, that's great for the facilitation. We can do live role play and and discussions, um, and you know it's customizable. The users are there; they're they're uh, contributing along the way. Um, but you know, frankly, it's not very scalable. And uh, if we have a global audience, you know, it can be very difficult to deliver. We like to keep our VILT sessions relatively small. And if you're trying to do that on a global scale, um, you know, there's some challenges with that. So we've seen this and what we would consider really that digital blend, the collaborative experience where we're using some videos, we're engaging still in live sessions, and we're having a chance to pull together. And the one thing I'll add, and then we'll really talk through what that uh, cadence looks like, is the idea that we can uh, assign or create assignments, we can attach points, and we can gamify in the sense that they're making progress along the way. And one of the big things I've seen as a facilitator is that's different than in the classroom. If we're just doing a 10 or 15 minute discussion, then we're on to the next topic and we really don't know how many people got it or not or where they're applying it. Well, now we can actually see if they've completed that particular or we give them a week to go do the work and come back. Um, So we really think that that idea of helping each other, collaborating and pulling together the different components is is the future uh, and and is creating better outcomes. So let me just walk through that. I won't spend a lot of time on this slide, but um, some discussion around digital blend, what does that really mean? And as I look at this, the way we break it down is we're gonna start with the content. So the good news is we can take that content, we can create videos, micro learning, as long as they're short and engaging, and we think three to five minutes, Uh, They can consume that in advance before the skill application, so we don't have to spend time with a talking head in a a Zoom meeting, right? Uh, So so we think that can be very effective. And then one thing I'll add to that is we found great success with bringing in seller 
uh, the seller voice and, and that customized content to ask them questions about how they're applying skills or how they're approaching challenges and getting individuals in the organization to just do uh, answer a few questions and then curating that into some best practices. So I think there are ways to make it very relevant beyond the typical, oh, that's a generic video, it doesn't apply to me. But now we can also bring in you know, their, their individual organizational content. And then we have them apply it through you know, field work and assignments. Um, they can interact and see each other's work. And then we believe that live sessions, so you know, coaching sessions or cohort sessions where they're coming together, we can showcase some of the great practices we can see how they're doing and even have peer-to-peer reviews where they can see each other and comment or comment in discussion threads. Again, they learn from seeing each other. They learn from giving each other feedback. It's really profound how it changes from just an instructor to student to, hey, we're all collaborating to learn together. And then just completing the circle here, we have access to all the resources and the tools. We're not hunting through our emails or trying to find that attachment. And ultimately, we can see the progress week to week of who's really at the top of that leaderboard, who's progressing, um, are they getting badges uh, each week for completing those activities, and at the end, some sort of completion, and we like and use Credly as a way of saying, hey, you've completed these criteria, Uh, now you are able to receive this badge uh, that says you've completed the program. So I know that was a lot, want to be sensitive to our time, but that's how we think of this collaborative learning experience, what we branded CLX. Uh, and we've we found some great success as we'll show you some examples here shortly. Yeah, let me just share a couple of examples. I think sometimes we know we show the slide and you know clients ask, well, what does it look like? So let me just share with you a couple of screenshots from our instance. Different platforms have kind of different uh, user interfaces, but when you see some like this and you're a participant, you say, oh, that looks really cool. It's engaging. It's easy to navigate. There's tabs almost anywhere you click on it, something comes up. Uh, The idea of everything being in one place, when Ray talked about the tools, the planners, the video content, it's all really in one area. It does lend itself to customization in addition to the base content. We can do welcome videos from sponsors. We can do customized videos, voice of the seller videos. We can also bring in customized content. And I think the, you know, tying back to the comment we had about cadence, you release the content over time. So we always think of it as a digital journey. Let me share with you another screenshot just from one of our programs. One of our most popular programs is high impact sales coaching. You know, traditionally in a classroom, this is a full day workshop with reinforcement sessions. In this type of platform, you know, it's got the micro learning videos. It's got what we call context tiles that kind of cover in a synopsis way what was covered in the micro learning. All the tools and planners are digital. They can be downloaded so people aren't losing the tools. Uh, skill application, a couple of different ways. There's missions. Uh, there's assignments. Anytime there's a mission or assignment, you can get peer-to-peer comments on that. You can get facilitated comments on this. We typically chunk it out either once a week or once every two weeks. So there's time to actually complete those. Uh, and you're getting this ongoing collaboration. So there's this cadence that really allows the program to be metered out over time. I'll just share one more screenshot, just being cognizant of our time here, when this is really what I was mentioning before, what a journey might look like. So we looked at our high-impact sales manager program that has sales coaching, managing performance, pipeline, and leadership. You could see that this journey would take place. And as Ray mentioned, we use a Credly badge. It's based on completing all the missions and, and earning the points. 
but you get this idea where it's spaced out over time and the learning becomes what we call a digital learning path or digital journey. So maybe these slides just kind of bring it to life in terms of how we use it with our clients. There are other platforms that might do it slightly different, but I think this notion of creating a uh, a learning journey back to the research we shared earlier allows the participants to get the information and apply the skills in the flow of their natural work. This is typically, I don't know, Ray, what do you think, about two to three hours a week of work in terms, including attending a weekly one-hour discussion session. We'll go through and review. We'll look at that real-world application, and we'll have discussions. So including that session is about two hours of online collaborative learning, followed by about one hour of classroom learning. Yeah, and it is a commitment, and, and I think that's important you know, from a sponsor perspective, from an expectation perspective that we're going through this journey and, you know, it may not be an entire program. I mean, this particular slide shows a full, our full leadership academy, but it may even be, and as you mentioned, like uh, coaching a three-week journey, but we're also going to give them time to apply those skills because there was a question about completion rates and, you know, we're seeing great success compared to just pure e-learning or asynchronous hey, watch these videos and we, we find that uh, you know people get distracted or maybe it's difficult to finish. But if we're taking them through this journey, especially with a facilitator, with a sponsorship of uh, you know, executives saying, hey, this is great and we're, we're seeing your results and your activities, you know, we're seeing 70 plus percent uh, completion rates as high as 85 with some of our clients when they have the sponsorship. And I'll say you know, that accounts for a few people who either just were not able to uh, complete for whatever reason or going to pick up the program later. So I think, you know, we, we've been very pleased uh, with seeing how much work gets done. And the other thing I'll mention is as a facilitator, just being able to see the quality of the work when they actually have to submit a coaching plan, for instance, or evidence that they've done this activity, very thoughtful, uh, great way to review and see if they're actually getting the skills and you know, applying it in in real life situations. So uh, it reminds me just of a blog post I, I published, you know, maybe about a month back, just kind of sharing some client experiences with the platform. When you mentioned the quality of the work and the sponsorship, so this type of delivery makes it really easy for sponsors to engage at their convenience. They can go in and review the work. They can comment on the work. They can join the weekly sessions. They can send out reminders to complete the work. We can provide them with progress reports. So the completion rates are higher. And to your point, the quality of the work is higher because there's time to do the work and because the work is out there for other for their peers to review and comment on, the quality of the submissions is, is super high. So really just great stuff that we're seeing from our clients in terms of how this is uh, working with um, you know, real world participants. Yeah. And I did want to address it. I thought the question was going to come up. Actually, it has now. But in terms of the platform, I mean, won't turn this into a commercial, but we do use Intrepid, at least for the, these screenshots are on the Intrepid platform uh, by VitalSource. So uh, it's considered a learning experience platform. Uh, so not a, a, as much a traditional learning management system, but that engagement of going through the program. There are certainly others out there that do similar things in terms of the engagement and hosting. Um, we, we really like the, the interface and the interaction uh, and have partnered with an, uh, Intrepid on a number of our client engagements. So uh, just to answer, that's what these screenshots are from, if anybody is uh, is interested. Terrific. 
So, you know, we will talk a little bit more about kind of outcomes and, and what, uh, what we're seeing and some of the feedback from clients. But again, we'd love to get just a little bit more interaction from our group today. Uh, we've talked about a lot of different uh, challenges and some of the different components. We'd love to hear from our audience, you know, what elements are most important as you're looking at your training for 2022? So in other words, what are you incorporating when you think about the e-learning uh, virtual, maybe it is instructor-led, you're thinking about the collaborative aspect or gamification, you know, what are some of those elements you're building into your programs that you think are going to help uh, make them more successful? And, you know, I'll be really interested to hear from our, uh, from our audience. So the first comment I'm seeing is around application. Application is, it's huge. People apply the skills. They're going to learn those skills, hopefully adopt those skills. Um, Modules, this idea of modules, we use modules. We think that's a great way to chunk out the content. Sometimes it's one module a week. If it's a longer, um, you know, a shorter session, it might be two modules a week. The use of micro-learning and incorporating micro-learning. Again, if, at Therese's point, if it's kept at two to three minutes. So collaboration, seeing a lot of great comments. Ray, how about yourself? Yeah, and I, I think it's interesting, you know, talking about the interaction and, and feedback and kind of that peer-to-peer. -peer. One of the things that, it seems simple, but if you have a, a you know a platform or you're able to leverage some of the technology that can be very valuable, is just a discussion thread following an assignment. So it's one thing to do the assignment, you maybe you upload it or submit, but then to have the participants say, okay, what struck you about that exercise, or what were some of the gaps you found when you assessed your team? Share that and collect. So now we get them discussing about the assignment like you would in a in a group discussion in the classroom but you can do that over the course of the week and get multiple comments so again now i think they're hearing from each other they're getting that engagement and something as simple as a moderated discussion thread can be very valuable and it doesn't necessarily have to be in a platform right i know people have created very uh engaging threads or or discussions using their existing you know whether it's teams or slack or or other technology uh, as a way of, you know, engaging um, in between the sessions. Again, we're getting a ton of great comments here. We won't have time to review all of them, but really appreciate the participation and the thoughts. Obviously, we've got a very experienced audience, which we always get with training industry. So appreciate that. And uh, we'll just kind of take you through a couple other quick thoughts about, you know, why collaborative learning? Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, I think we've actually touched on most of these, but uh, I believe that this idea of pulling it together and getting people learning from each other uh, and, you know, the peer-to-peer -peer aspect can really help to improve the experience. They like hearing from each other. Um, it's going to seem more relevant than somebody maybe from the outside coming in and lecturing, right? So, so uh, I think it can improve the experience and the outcomes. It helps with scale in terms of geographically distributed teams and even different time zones, right? So they can do that the work, uh, at least during the week, you know, at their own pace or, or offline, but they're still seeing the ongoing engagement uh, with their peers and they can participate in those discussions. Um, so, you know, there's certainly some of the traditional uh, savings in terms of travel and uh, not having to have everybody together, but also this focus on application as we keep coming back to having them apply the skill, having them see each other and in fact, we're leveraging a peer-to-peer -peer aspect where now they have to review a couple of other uh, assignments and give feedback. 
so they're able to get that real-time you know, input or, or at least near real-time input. Um, so I think there's a lot of reasons that we're seeing this as a evolving and, and very positive way to deliver the training. What would you add to this, Norman? I think the discussion groups so that we don't, it's not for us, it's not just a pure digital journey. We uh, combine that journey with uh, weekly coaching sessions and the ability to take what they've done, share that with the group and bring back and get feedback on real world application, learn from their peers. So I think it's the application is really what brings it to life and really brings that engagement. I think we had that question earlier. And we do have a couple of thoughts just from participants, just to give you a little bit you know, of a feel for participant thoughts on the program. Again, these are just some testimonials, but you know, we'd love to share with you more about this. If there's an interest level, you know, post-webinar and just really learn more about your situation and how you might apply this. Yeah. What I'd like to do, go ahead, Ray. I think these really jump out as, uh, you know, a a focus on learning from each other, applying the skills, you know, some of those themes that that we're hearing consistently. And I wanted to touch on, there was one question that came up in the (coughs) Q&A from uh, Danara, which I thought was, was really relevant and very interesting, which is, well, how do you create a culture of collaboration when learners may be hesitant, right, to post or to comment, um, maybe that isn't part of the culture. And I think it does need to start with how the program is set up and communicated and sponsored. And one of the things we like to do is include a sponsor video. So if we have a strong leader or executive sponsor, have them record that first introduction video and, you know, just cover, hey, we're investing in you. This is important. We want you to contribute and participate. And that's how this is built. And then we have a lot of those uh, guidance built in to suggest how they can participate. And then I'll just share one of the first assignments is introduce yourself to the team and and answer a couple of you know kind of more fun questions, but just to get the audience connected and more used to collaborating. So we kind of prime the pump a little bit that way. And it's it's also really fun to see who all's in the group. Sometimes they haven't met met, met each other before, uh, and now they're able to engage as we go through as a cohort, right, over the the course of the learning journey. Absolutely. And I also think one other element that's a a best practice for us, and, you know, we've we've started to add to the programs, is in addition to the welcome in the platform, a kickoff session where everyone gets to meet each other, everyone gets to understand what's in the platform, how to use the platform, a little bit of an icebreaker to kind of connect the team. Because I think to the extent you really set clear expectations, people have a chance to meet each other at the front end, they understand what the cadence is, what the expectations are, you're going to get more skill application, more collaboration, and higher completion rates. Yeah, that's great. Well, uh, Norman, why don't we transition into the, the final area? We want to talk about how to get the managers involved. And you know, we believe manager training is critical uh, and really having the manager support any training that's there. Um, so why don't we chat, you know, just a little bit about what that looks like and the manager's sure. role in training. Yeah, let me just share a couple of thoughts because we've talked a lot about skill application, but this really goes just beyond skill application. What we're trying to get is ongoing adoption of these new skills. So we want to see behavior change. It's about learning, applying, and adopting the skill. And the managers are with their teams every single day. They may be with their teams uh you know, if it's a centralized team physically, but even if they're not with the team physically, they're on the sales calls with them, they're collaborating with them. We're doing a lot of virtual, you know, we actually train on virtual selling. So some of the things that are really important from the manager's perspective is making sure there's ongoing coaching. So not only 
how do you coach, but is there a coaching culture and mindset where everyone's getting feedback? Are the managers actively participating in the training? So in the collaborative platform, uh, having the managers as part of those groups is really important. They can actually, in one of the groups I just did, some of the best work was submitted by the managers, but more importantly, they were commenting and providing feedback to everyone on their team. They were able to review the assignments and provide feedback. They're able to reinforce key skills, share ideas, and then really to practice those skills. So I do think in the collaborative platform, there's more ways for managers to interact. And then post-training, the ongoing coaching by those managers uh, is, is essential for the ongoing skills adoption. Yeah, and I, I, you know, your point about the managers actually uh, commenting or being part of that, we'd love to see them go through the journey together. Um, you know, we, we want to make it a safe environment, but also the managers can see who's stepping up, how they're engaging, maybe even participate in the discussions. And we also like to curate or go in and look at some of the great work that's been done and then share that, right, with the sponsors and leaders and say, you know, just so you know, this is the kind of work that's being done. That's very difficult to do in a traditional classroom. But here, you know, we have those examples. So I think engaging those managers, getting them excited about it. And having them, you know, assist along the way uh, through that journey can be can be really valuable. Ray, I think that's a really important point. That I, the ability to take content that's been applied in the platform and to actually come back post training and share that with key stakeholders. I know you just did a review with some senior management at one of our clients. When you shared with them not only what the experience was like, but the quality of the submissions, it really brings that work to life. And I think that's really important for L and D leaders today. They're looking to demonstrate ROI, to demonstrate behavior change, the ability to go in and actually share examples of uh, skill application, I think is a really nice proof point in terms of engagement and skill application. Yeah, you know, there are just a couple of questions before we we kind of get to the key takeaways. Um, One is around assignment and mission, and I know we've thrown out a lot of terms. You know, I think it's just important that the organization defines those. Some of the platforms define them differently. I'll say how we think of it is, um, you know, an assignment might just be completing uh, something they have to do, right, that, that could be an activity in a, in a program. We love having a, a mission or almost more of a project, right, where now we're saying, well, now create this account plan and apply the skills in a sales training, uh, you know, environment. So it is more like a real world application. Um, so there can be some distinctions there. And then also there was a question about the collaborative learning environment. And, you know, we walked through some of those spider di- that spider diagram that included that will certainly make the slides available. But what we think about is an environment that encourages and creates a place where they can learn from each other. So whether that's seeing each other's assignments, whether that's providing a formal rubric and asking them to evaluate and and provide feedback to each other, or simply giving feedback in a discussion thread, but connecting them and making that, building that into the instructional design uh, so that the peer-to-peer is really built in as part of the program. I think that's the essence of collaborative learning. Uh, we'll have a, just a few minutes for other questions here, but uh, Norman, why don't you take us through the, the key takeaways here, and then uh, we'll turn it back to uh, the moderator sure. for the q and I think we can do that pretty quickly. So COVID pandemic has changed how training is delivered. We saw heard, heard feedback from you as to how you've adopted your training. We've shared with you some of the things we've seen around collaborative learning. 
We've shared with you why we think collaborative learning creates better engagement and outcomes. We've certainly seen it in the programs that we've been running for clients. Uh, uh, as Ray mentioned, even though things may open up in the future, we don't. We do think this is kind of an ongoing trend. I think that the ability to space out the learning and to create the learning journeys is really important. Kind of gets to this next point about spacing the learning, allowing time for real-world application, collaboration, and feedback and then getting the managers actively involved in coaching and reinforcement so we can go from application of those skills to ongoing real-world adoption of those skills. So that's kind of a synopsis of the areas we've covered. As Ray mentioned, we will make these slides available through training industry Mm -hmm. and maybe just share with you our offerings briefly. We're not going to go through our offerings, but if you're looking for sales training or sales management training for your teams, we have a number of programs uh, which are available in traditional delivery, but more importantly, are available for collaborative learning. So if you'd like to engage, you know, we'll put up uh, some contact information for us, but again, want to open it up now to Q&A. So we'll share with you our contact information if you'd like to learn more. And with that, I think we're going to turn it back to Amanda. Awesome. Yes. Well, as always, it's been an amazing presentation. Lots of kudos for you guys in the chat. Uh, and man, you made my job really easy because you were ticking off those questions from the audience uh, throughout. Uh, so thank you for that. But I do have, let's squeeze in another one or two because we've got a few minutes. Um, this one came from Yvette. How do you get reps to implement the new skills they learned? Yeah, I think that's an age old question, right? Um, both the implement and I think there's another related question that, you know, what do you do for follow up? And so, One, what I really love about this uh, spaced learning journey, right, if we're doing it over a period of time, is we can have them apply the skill as they learn it. So if it's a call plan and we want them to build a call objective, very simple example, then we have them do it that week. And, you know, it doesn't take that long, but they are forced, if you will, or encouraged uh, to apply that skill in real time to a real account as part of going through the learning journey. And guess what? They get points for that. So if they're trying to keep up with their peers, we're going to know if they're doing the assignments or not. We've been thrilled and quite frankly surprised at just how competitive uh, teams are at getting to the top of the leaderboard and getting those points and making sure they're clicking on every tile and, and involved in every discussion. So anyway, that's one way to do it. And then afterwards, I think it really goes to the manager's We want the managers to help reinforce, make sure they have the tools and the coaching skills uh, to be able to support them after the learning. Awesome. All right. Let's squeeze in this one last one from Azael, who wants to hear a little bit more about exactly how steep is the learning curve when moving to a collaborative learning platform for participants? Like what, what should Azael expect as like a ramp up? Time. I actually think the adoption for the participants is pretty pretty rapid, and we'll talk about that. I would say that for L&D or whoever's implementing, there's really a lot of instructional design, a lot of thought goes through how do you actually create a learning journey, how do you actually get the content on the platform, how do participants engage, what are the missions, what are the assignments. So there, it probably is a little bit of a steep curve, and we can help with that curve in terms of delivering training on a collaborative platform. From the participant standpoint, we really, the journey start pretty quickly. There's a kickoff session. Uh, they're kind of introduced to the platform. They're also introduced to each other. Uh, the programs are really have a really engaging user interface. 
most uh, of our participants uh, are pretty tech savvy, but you don't really have to be. You just start going through the journey. You click on the tiles. It tells you what your assignments are for the week. And so we, we find that for participants, it's a pretty natural flow. They're often running very, very quickly. But for the L&D community, setting up the, uh, the collaborative platform takes a little bit of time and a little bit of thought behind that. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. That makes sense. All right. I know I said one more, but one more. Uh, Mona Lee, because Mona Lee wanted to know, she asked this earlier, and, and I think we missed it, but I was wondering if you could just very quickly clear terms. What is the difference between blended and hybrid? And I think it really depends if she's defining hybrid in a specific way. I mean, the de- definition, I don't think there's practically speaking a difference. Uh, you know, we use the term blended because I think it does a good job of sharing that, hey, this is a blend of maybe it's digital and in person and uh, asynchronous. Um, I think people talk about hybrid as, oh, we're getting out of the classroom and we're going to combine things together. Norman, I don't know if you have any other thoughts, but I, I think they get used interchangeably. I think you're right. I think the terms are used interchangeably. For me personally, I think about hybrid as how teams sell. If I'm selling in person or I'm selling virtually, I consider that hybrid. When I think about from a training or a learning standpoint, I typically like the term blended or bringing in many different elements. To me, hybrid sometimes implies, but doesn't have to maybe two elements. And I think blended implies many, many different elements, kind of like ingredients going into a recipe. The market is changing, making sales skills more important than ever before. How to transform your team into big performers? If you want the answer, plus free resources for podcast listeners, visit salesreadinessgroup.com slash podcast.